Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three mistakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito Welcome in, everybody, to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast at Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at burnorangenation.com. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. Helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you find fine podcast content. You could find Kyle and myself connect with us on social media at Longhorn Pod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, the Longhorn Republic, or shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. My name is Gerald Goodridge. I'm your host this week, like I am every week. And I'm joined by a man who wishes he was a bag man, Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? I mean, it seems like it would be one of the better better jobs. Um, like look, there's always been a role for bagmen in sports, but I mean if you were a if you were a full time bagman, it didn't it used to be maybe you had to get get in some nefarious dealings. Like maybe you had to, to work for an Albuquerque drug dealer, you know, maybe there was there was things you had to do that weren't you know, they didn't feel great. Now with college sports you can be a bag man or bag woman for the football team, the basketball team, the you know, the track team. Uh, I'm sure our, our rowing bags come in nicely. Hopefully they seal them in waterproof uh, bags. You know, I it, spread it around. Uh, you stay busy, I think. And and honestly, I think that's a good thing. I believe in more jobs putting more people to work. Kyle, should we go with baggage handler? Ooh, I like that. I like, like it non gendered, yeah. It's non gendered and it feels classier, really, is what it, it does. feels like. It, it does. It, it feels like we're checking into a five star rather than dropping a bag at a five star's foot. Yeah. That was not a planned segue, but I am so freaking proud that it happened. We're here to talk about the roster churn at Texas and the current state of just college football overall, the changing and evolving landscape. So if you've been living under a rock or didn't listen to our Tuesday podcast, we'll catch you up. Texas had a little bit of a, a roster squeeze happen. They needed to get below the 85 man scholarship limit. Sark said in a, in a interview in November that he would, he wouldn't be surprised if there were 33 new guys on the roster this year heading into 2022. And lo and behold, 28 members of the class of 2022 plus five currently committed at the time of recording transfers, uh, which put them at 91 scholarship players, which uh, if you, again, I took math for non-majors, but correct me if I'm wrong, 91 is bigger than 85. And so... Which way does the alligator eat, Gerald? Is it, I think it, it eats the bigger one, right? It does. It does eat the bigger yeah. one, Kyle. Yeah, which greater I, than or equal to? 
I had to re- I had to think about that for half a second, so I really appreciate you <laughs> you preying on all of my anxieties as it relates to uh, to everything. But uh, so Texas had several transfer out this week, and uh, twenty really since the transition happened in the last couple of years. There's a lot of different ways that we can go about this, Kyle. But as we just think about the the work that Steve Sarkeesian has had to do coming in to try to reshape this team into something that he felt was going to be uh, a win for him. It, it wasn't what I anticipated and not necessarily how I would have liked to see it happen. But when you talk about waiting for a coach to get his guy, Steve Sarkeesian was very aggressive in doing that. Yeah, I mean, th- there's people who, who see a cake half-baked. And then there are people who go to the dang store and buy the ingredients they want, right? There's people who, who get the icing and the box cake. Heck, this ain't a box cake mix. Steve Sarkeesian bought eggs, flour. He went and made a cake, baked his own cake. And there is a risk to that, right? You go to a bakery, you get a nice, you know, you know what you're getting. Might pay a little more, whatever. You, you, but, but there is there is a risk to, to baking your own cake, but it's also so much more fulfilling and delicious. And look, I, I'm joking, obviously, when... when uh, Charlie Strong left and said the cake was basically baked and, and uh, Tom Herman just needed to sprinkle a little fairy dust on it. Uh, and, and to Tom Herman's credit, he won a lot of big games. He lost some of the little games. Um, but he he turned that roster into a, a team that won a bunch of bowl games. And, you know, that at least is the level that Steve Sarkeesian has to replicate and increase, right? That The bar was set there. So um, we're not there yet, but this is a pretty drastic and declarative statement. I think in this off season, I think Steve Sarkeesian said things and every coach says things. That's why we call it coach speak, right? They speak in cliche, <laughs> you know, I want my, I want my guys and we're still building to where we want to be. And they didn't, and he, he does use some of that, but then he also went out and did it. He said, I want, I could see 33 new players and 20 are out in the portal. Five are in, uh, you know, guys who could have technically probably had super senior, COVID years were, were, you know, encouraged just to go go to greener pastures. You know, the, the, that number is probably even higher uh, than the 20 directly out when you think of, of those types of players. And kudos to Sark for for being about it, right? For, for not just talking about it, but being about it. And it's interesting because as a Texas fan, I think all of us look at recruiting and we, we will carry a little bit of that bias through a player's career. There are some players who have recently hit the portal out or have left the program who didn't develop and, and, you know, Oh, you know, Tyler Johnson, he was a big time fight. Well, those players just didn't, didn't develop. And that's going to happen at every school, Alabama included, right? Like that happens. Ohio state, there's no school that doesn't miss sometimes. Um, you have to cut ties. You have to cut bait. You have to bring new guys in. And I think in this era of transfer portal, having a coach who is not quick to pull the trigger, but quick to understand that, you build where you, you you see fertile soil and in other things you just you don't invest your time because as we all know from playing NCAA video games in, in 2014, <laughs> there is a limited amount of recruiting points to go around and you can only spend, I guess in that, this case, hours uh, in certain places. You can't be everywhere all the time working on every player, developing them, recruiting others. You, you just you, you can't do it. And so let's see if the way that Sark spent his chips is going to bear fruit. And really, like, you, you made the joke about the NCAA, like, hours, but, you know, college football is changing, and the way that college football is 
viewed and understood and managed is going to have to change. And, and the new state of college football is really going to favor the CEO type of coach because you you know, the NCAA just took the limit off of the staff size. And so you're going to see coaches and staffs adding people that their whole job is just like essentially as a GM or a roster manager, like your job is to make sure that our guys don't get poached. That's your job. That's your thing. Make sure they're happy. Make sure the NIL checks keep flowing air quotes, whatever. But like, that's going to be somebody's job moving forward. I'm going to say it and it's going to ruffle some feathers, but like, like if we're going to do this capitalism thing, then let's do this capitalism thing. And that, that that's just what it is. The free market is going to determine what things are. And it may be upsetting that college football is changing, uh, but that's kind of just what life is. And we've got to deal with that. We've got to be okay with the change. If we're going to adopt this system and be okay with the system, then then we've got to just deal with it. And I, again, somebody's going to be mad at me for saying that, but whatever, I don't necessarily care all that much. For Texas specifically, Texas needing to get in its bag. And, and there are, again, this is all speculation, but numbers floating around there about what Texas did to bring Quinn Ewers into the fold and what Texas probably is going to have to do to land and hold on to some of these other guys. That's just going to be part of the system. And Texas boosters have long been the subject of ire from people and rightfully so, because part of the issue at Texas is that there are too many chefs in the kitchen. And so Texas boosters having to put up or shut up is not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. I mean, look, I I don't know what Nike stock is trading at, but I know the WTI on, on West Texas crude is very, very strong right now. Oil money is good. Uh, so let's get, while the getting is good, we we've thankfully have a diversified alumni base. So, so <laughs> Mr. Tito, Tito Beverage, Mr. Dell, Mrs. Zellweger, you know, we have, we have, uh, Brown, best-selling yeah, author. We, the absolute legend. Um, we have, we have some, some, uh, active and, and, uh, generous big money donors. So I believe the saying is put your money where your mouth is, you know, and um, make Texas great again, you know, like uh, let's, let's, let's get there. Um, an interesting thought exercise, Gerald, when I was thinking about the outs and the ends, it, some of these have happened so long ago that I kind of forgot and I grouped mm-hmm. them by positions. And when you look at where Sark did the carving, it is it is a little bit interesting. And some of it, I think, is roster construction. Some of it, I think, is purely talent deficiency in areas that Sark, you know, sees certain characteristics as being vital. Those could also overlap quite a bit. Absolutely, absolutely. The other thing is, and we, we alluded to this a couple weeks ago and said we would, we would go into it a bit, but it's a bit unfair right now because we've had a glut of, of recent players who've entered the, the, the transfer portal. So obviously they don't have teams yet they've entered this week so if you pull them out it, it makes the numbers a little bit more fair but without it it's it's 14 players in the portal have not found schools uh eight have so if you go to just the original before this week i guess six have entered the portal and have not found a team um some of them since thanksgiving eight have we have eight players who have transferred from texas schools or from ut to other schools i think all of them except one or to other schools in texas which is kind of the pattern we've seen that in the past um but the, the kind of crazier thing when you think about it is two have gone down a level um dropped from from what was the old division one f f uh, cs uh six are are just in limbo waiting for for a team to find them and and you look at the the recent class there's probably three or four who may not be the best at their position or the top two or three in the country right now at their position and may have a little trouble 
finding a soft landing spot. That is kind of the tale of the portal in and of itself is that um, there are some guys that maybe don't necessarily have people giving them good advice or having them giving anybody giving them advice at all. But this is the part of the conversation that I always struggle with. It's like you can't judge the quality of the decision with like information that you didn't have at the time of making the decision. And people are using this as kind of like evidence to judge whether or not the one-time transfer rule is good, blah, 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 whatever, whatever. But like giving players agency and whatever it is, is never Mm. a bad thing. And it, and it sucks for those guys. And it sucks for the guys who potentially wanted to test the market and, the market wasn't there for them, whether it was the financial market or just the market for their services to get a, to get a scholarship. Um, and, you know, guys like you think about Terrence Cooks, who who was an early transfer of this class. And, uh, he, he committed to play for Tom Herman and, and that crew. And I understand, like, not wanting to stick around mm-hmm. for that. You've got guys, you know, who, who I think had worn out their welcome in, in some ways. Guys like, unfortunately, a guy like Tyler Owens, who you and I, like, stood on tables for. Like, dude, yeah. just move to linebacker. Just move. But he wanted to play safety. And I get that. Like, I'm never going to fault a guy for doing what he thinks is in his best interest. And that's kind of how we all live our lives. That's what life is. It's just a series of decisions made to try to advance your goals and sometimes they work out and sometimes they don't the hardest part for me is the 2021 kids because the 2021 kids especially at texas but just overall overall nobody took official visits like you're going to continue to see the 2021 kids transfer at a high rate because they never got to take ovs they never got to meet these coaches in person they never got to see the campus they never got to go to columbus ohio and realize that it's cold for 60 percent of the year up there why move from (laughs) central texas They don't have breakfast tacos and gas station. No gas station breakfast tacos, right? They didn't get that perspective. And then on top of that, for Texas, Tom Herman was fired a month after early signing day and a month before late signing day. There's some guys that, you know, showed up and expected to have a completely different coaching staff. And and that's part of the situation that Texas is in right now is that, like, the 2021 class is bleeding guys, and that's okay. Because that's just going to be part of it, especially when you have transition like this and you bring in coaches who – play the game and do the things vastly differently than the guy before them. That's just going to happen. Yeah. The, the one thing that I, I hinted at earlier that I'm, I'm very interested by is, you know, I, I think about this offense scoring a lot of points, but I think about the defense with some question marks. I hope they are very good and we'll have previews coming in weeks and months to come. So we'll, we'll talk a lot more about this, but I think obvious positions to, to watch are, you know, linebacker, edge rusher safety, right? What do we have in each of those positions? We had four, Safeties leave, right? Tyler Owens went to Tech. We know what he could do with his speed. B.J. Foster, who was a starter last year, is one of those players who dropped down a level. He's going to Sam Houston. I think that's probably a bit of an indictment on an area where we saw, like, a didn't make tap, tackles on long runs and let them turn into long runs into touchdown runs. Missed some big passing plays over the top, right? And that's a safety position. That's tough when you're starting safety, a guy who basically – came in as a freshman and got a little bit worse every year and that's no knock on him I know there was there was big expectations and some injuries and those things but you know I think it's a little bit indicative right that that that's and then your other two safeties uh Marcus Caldwell a guy who originally decommitted from Oregon and uh you know some people thought might might have a good future here and then Chris Adamora a guy who you know people have been huge on on his impact and in potential in their season previews in years past that he could be a breakout guy i mean he's a name that's floated around a lot neither of that those two players at safety have found anywhere so you have a guy who went to tech 
who's still very raw, um, and, and a guy who dropped down to Sam Houston, then two players who, you know, it's been five months now, right, since since the yep. beginning of December, haven't found a landing spot. So that's kind of interesting when we think about safety being a question mark. But then linebacker to me is almost even bigger, right? You you have such a glaring need. You had Luke Brockermeyer as the guy, and maybe that's why a couple of these guys transferred. Um, but, you know, when, when you have a walk-on, and no shots at Luke, but a walk-on playing, and you just don't have, when Overshone gets hurt, you don't have these options of guys to come in. Um, and then you see uh, Deli Adeaway, who, again, it's been November when he entered it. Marcus Tillman, it's been the 3rd of December when he entered the portal. Neither of them have found anyone. Jaden Hullaby just... Uh, you know, announced. I don't even think he's in the tracker yet, but just announced he's a linebacker, kind of played running back in the offseason. Um, you mentioned Terrence Cooks, but there's four linebackers and four safeties right there. Positions where if these players, if the defensive staff thought they were good enough or thought they were their kind of guys or their skill set matched what they were looking for, you have to think they would have gotten a different exit interview and, and, and some of these players would have been sticking around to, to fight for spots. We can look back at some others like some of the late stage Tom Herman transfers also absolutely sucked. You have guys in positions of need uh, playing well at like Georgia Tech and Utah State that Texas would have loved to have in this group but when we think about this, it, it's going to be an ever-evolving situation for Texas, and I think we're going to see more and more of this. And I said into my bang the drum on Tuesday, but like Texas is in a unique position where they can prove to the world that they're that texas as an institution texas boosters um are who they claim to be and who they want to be and they're not just jaw jacking with their buddies at the you know at the country club they're actually wanting to see texas be successful and not just you know talk about the check that they wrote but uh talk about the impact that it had and that's going to be a continuing narrative to draw at least until the ncaa steps in and does its job which is a really big ask for the ncaa yeah, it absolutely is. And this we'll see how long this period of uncertainty lasts before something. I don't know that their first try is going to make things better and not worse. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. But for the moment, again, I'll just quickly run through the rest of the list for, for listeners who maybe haven't brushed up in a while. Obviously, the defensive linemen were all recent. ABR Thomas and Myron Warren were this week. But receiver, we had some some recent ones in Cavante Dixon and Dejon Harrison. But don't forget, um, and, and Marcus Washington, all three this uh, week plus, basically. Um, but also, uh, Alvante Woodard was another player who had a while to find a landing spot, ended up at, at Sam Houston with B.J. Foster. Uh, Josh Moore, uh, a player who high potential ended up at SMU. Don't know that his story is done being written, but it seems like Texas has brought in guys who who replaced both he and Washington's production. Jared Wiley is a player at TCU who might be very productive, but I think the ceiling was there the expectation was there and it just never materialized the way they thought it would and then again you have Jatavian Sanders breathing down his neck you just brought in Billingsley you have um you know Gunnar Helm looking good so it may have just been competition based at that position and then two linemen you never want to lose linemen right now but Tyler Johnson who had all the expectation all the credentials but just never put it together on the field Rafidi Grumai I know Gerald loved him but a guy who hasn't found a home uh, Johnson's at, at U of H um, but uh, Grimai again is a December kid December 6th has not found uh, a soft landing spot and then Casey Thompson Nebraska obviously and our our, our boy Bushevsky uh, it looked like Pearson came in and, and just said I I am pro kick Australia's Texas punter 
and 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 I don't know if he punted him out of Austin or what. Now I'm kidding, but um, Bushevsky technically has a year of eligibility left and currently sits in the transfer portal. To put a button on it, to put a pin on it, this is something that's going to continue to to evolve. And, and the NCAA hopefully just doesn't continue to cash checks and not do anything until you know the SEC and the Big Ten break away and do their own thing. But that, they probably could do that because the NCAA is terrible. But as we look forward to 2022 and beyond, um, this is going to be the offseason that people point to for good or for ill. Uh, uh, that's going to tell the story of the Steve Sarkeesian era at Texas. And hope, we're hoping and we're, we're believing that it's going to be for good. And um, we'll obviously talk more about that over the summer. We'll do our positional previews. We'll do our opponent previews. We'll do our Texas preview. We're going to have Mike Roach on soon to talk a bit of recruiting, a bit of transfer portal stuff. But this is going to be an ever-evolving and ever-continuing conversation uh, as college football faces a continued opportunity to change and adapt and grow with the times. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. All right, Gerald, let's now take a look at the world through burn orange lenses that we haven't already and uh, and whip around some Longhorn adjacent news. Um, Gerald, there's a new Texas art, Texas image, Texas um, item for people to be split over. Um, sometimes it's the jerseys. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it is, uh, is uh, alternates. Sometimes it is uh, the size of a longhorn, the shade of an orange. Uh, Texas fans are particular. I'll put it that way. Um, and there was a, a long-running, long-standing competition for this, uh, this piece of art. I'm, of course, talking about the new court at the new Moody uh, Pavilion. Um, so, Gerald, what were your thoughts when you saw the new rendering? I understand people that are frustrated that Texas did a competition for this and then basically didn't pick anything that they put out there in the competition uh, for the designs in a substantive way. But uh, you and I have long been like we try to be fairly progressive with our views at the University of Texas and college football in and of its college athletics in and of itself. But like you and I are also woefully and painfully in the let's not change it if it ain't broke don't fix it camp when it comes to um design and uniforms and things like that um my wife does most of the the decorating in our house but it's very simple it's very clean it's very chill colors there's enough energy in my house uh with my five (laughs) two and one year old or six month old um that i don't need the colors to add any energy but um for me I, I, I'm fine with it. I think the burnt orange, they're, they're finally getting actual burnt orange on Texas things, which yeah. is nice. Um, and honestly, I liked having the state of Texas outline at the center court. I think that's the one, that's the one thing I am going to miss at the Moody center, but you give me a clean, simple design and I'm going to give you a thumbs up 10 times out of 10. Yeah. Gerald, how do you feel about mixing black and burnt orange? Other than the starter jacket that this random guy from San Marcos tweeted at me, <laughs> I've never seen a good example of it. And again, Maybe that's just because I, I'm i the guy who, I have three suits. I have a navy suit, I have a dark gray suit, and I have a lighter gray suit. And a, I said four suits, and a black suit. And I don't wear the black suit 
other than weddings and funerals, right? To work when I need to wear a suit, which I don't have to do very often anymore, praise the Lord. It's the navy suit, the dark gray suit, or the slightly lighter gray suit. Like, maybe that's, maybe I'm not adventurous enough, but that's just not for me. I get it, I get it. Um, no, it, it's interesting, right? Because I, I liked, I kind of hoped they would do the the image of Coach Bo's face uh, on the court. <laughs> that uh, was a popular Photoshop. Um, there were actually some really interesting ones, some good ones, the Austin City skyline. But like, here's, Here's the thing I go, and, and I loved all of those. I loved seeing them. Here's the thing I go back to, right? Like, that's a Charlie Strongism of, of calling AM a gadget program, right? That's a thing that smaller schools that have something else next to their name have to do, right? You have to have a cool court. My court needs to have the scales of a, of a, uh, a, a horned toad on it, right? Like, no, we don't need to put the bristles of a longhorn's coat on our floor. Like, I need to have a blue field. Like, we don't have to do the novelty shtick because, again, we're we're Texas. Um, I actually like getting rid of the, the Texas outline and going to the simple because, again, it has been Forbes and Sports Illustrated and multiple times over over the past few decades confirmed that the single, not collegiate, single most in the entire world of sports recognizable logo is the Longhorn, right? The Dallas Cowboys star is pretty close, but that could maybe be other things. There is nothing that is the Longhorn other than the Longhorn. Again, high schools who try to rip it off, uh, <laughs> notwithstanding. But, you know, it, I love the simplicity. I love that the, the orange is correct. I love that it's just understated in Texas. I mean, you have a brand new spanking, sparkling, perfect, amazing arena. Let that be the the oohs and ahs and dazzles. And then you sit down to your court, and you, you have a court that uh, matches the style of basketball we're going to play, about 46 points uh, for their team and 51 for ours, you know. Um, but, but honestly, um, I, I like it. I think I, I like everything about it. Um, if everyone really hates it after like three or four years, they could probably change it. It's not that big of a deal. Um, you know, they, they change the football field a little bit sometimes. You know, it, it happens. So um, I'll just say that. I like it. I think it's simple. I think it's clean. I think it's classic. I think it's Texas. I think you don't have to add all that other, other newfangled stuff. Joe, let's keep it, though, on the hardwood. On the women's side, the other tenets of the uh, the Moody uh, uh, Pavilion will be uh, Vic Schaefer uh, in the Texas women's basketball. Schaefer was recently named the Division One Coach of the Year by the TABC. Of course, that's not the Texas uh, Alcohol and Bar uh, Commission. I'm of course I'm talking about the Texas Association of Basketball Coaches. Basically, every coach at every level, um, from from top to bottom, gets to vote for one coach at each level, right? D1, uh, 1AA on down, high school gets to vote for the coach of the year. And Vic Schaefer uh, reigned out as the uh, Division One Coach of the Year from the Texas Association of Basketball Coaches. We said it before, we'll say it again. It's uh, Texas was ahead of schedule this year. They overachieved last year. They're ahead of schedule uh, this year. Next year will be the expectation. Like, And, and I think Vic Schaefer can and will live up to that. And one of the coolest things after that Elite Eight run where they were ahead of schedule is the, like, perks that come with it. So because Texas women's basketball is one of the better teams, uh, four Longhorns were selected to take the court in May to compete at the 2022 Red Bull USA Basketball 3-on-3 Nationals held at the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame in Springfield, Mass. Um, it's it's in, in May. Uh, it features a 16 
teams, uh, men's and women's vying for basically national title in, in each of those. And again, Texas being one of the better teams, their women's team was selected. And uh, off of that, uh, that team, it is uh, Aaliyah Matharu, Shay Holly, and then sophomores Rory Harmon and Aaliyah Moore will be representing Texas this summer. Does a national championship there count for the Director's Cup? That's all I need to know. We'll have to get some confirmation. We'll have to reach out to the experts. Uh, we'll hit up our good friend Brett. Um, it, no, but I do know, Gerald, if you play well, um, this is where they're scouting for the actual uh, USA national team to represent because now three-on-three three is a is an Olympic sport. This is, this is the proven grounds, baby. Number three, women's tennis uh, won some awards. Uh, Peyton Stearns was named the Big 12 Player of the Year. She's the sixth Longhorn to win it, first in st- Bianca Tarati, one of our two favorite Taratis, in 2018. Of course, Stearns, you've heard us talk about on this podcast all year, but she was the MOP at the recent Big 12 Championship, um, all the way up now to number two in the latest ITI rankings, which I honestly think is incredibly underrated. Number two feels like at least uh, one spot off, and, and maybe that's... May- that is potentially burnt orange colored glasses, but she'll have an opportunity to vet that soon at the uh, NCAA tournament. So we'll see if she deserves that number one spot, and I think she probably does. Let's see if she can keep. She's 23-1 and one right now in singles. Let's see if she can keep that uh, just to one loss. If they do that, maybe that's uh, a good sign for the tournament coming up. But I'll just read quickly through. Uh, first team all Big 12 was, of course, Stearns and Sabina uh, Zanilova. First team doubles was Stearns and uh, Laura Zamaripa, uh, second team singles, Charlotte Shavatipon and Kylie Collins. And then the double of those two uh, women was second team doubles as well. And Sabina Zay Nalova was first team all freshmen. Um, number 12 men's tennis also had some awards. Freshman of the year was Pierre-Yves Bailly. Uh, March the second straight season that Texas had a freshman of the year after Micah Braswell got it last year. So team is young on the men's side. Uh, I think literally sophomores and freshmen pretty much make up the whole team. But they will also be competing, have a chance to improve that number 12 uh, that they have. Uh, Women got the number two seed. Men have the number 12 seed in the upcoming tournament. uh, was announced on Monday. Um, I believe uh, on this one, not quite as many, but they did have two first-teamers. Michael Braswell in singles, CMR, Cleve Harper in doubles. Second-teamers was... uh, I think we're going to call him PYB is going to be the acronym for, for feels good to me. (laughs) PYB was second team in singles. Elliot Spaziri, who loved to see it made second team in singles as well as his, uh, doubles partnership with CM old Um, getting, uh, second team Spaziri and Braswell have been battling injuries for big chunks of the season. Braswell currently Spaziri for about three quarters of the beginning of the season. So glad to see him healthy and get some recognition. Um, Again, both will be hosting an Austin Regional for the men's and women's coming up this week. One, I'm glad that you got the tennis read this week and not me because it's always <laughs> a, it's always a uh, uh, it's always fun and we I feel like we pronounce them different every time, but maybe it's a running gag. Who knows? You'll never know. But I think um, both of these teams have a shot to to make a run in the NCAA tournament. I mean, Texas, uh, the ladies being able to host the regional goes quite a long way. They've got a tough regional, uh, but I think they've got an opportunity to to make a deep run. The men, you know, the the regular season didn't end the way that they'd like it to, but they've got 
got opportunities and they've got the ability to make a deep run. We've seen it happen. A team gets hot at the right time and they can get things rolling. Uh, all it takes is a couple of big wins and you start to feel yourself a little bit, especially in a sport like tennis where so much of it is just you versus the person on the other side of the, the net. If you've got four members of your team walking around feeling like they're the biggest, baddest one uh, at the tennis center that day, you can go on a little bit of a run. Yeah, I love it. Let's keep it country club, Gerald. Uh, in swimming, um, we had the this week the qualifiers for the 2022 FINA World Championships going on. Uh, Carson Foster, Drew Kibler, and Kobe Carroza will all compete for Team USA in those World Championships. Three of the 41 selected to represent Team USA. That meet will be in Budapest, Budapest, Hungary, a place that... I low-key have heard is a fantastic European vacation spot. Hit us up with your your uh, best Budapest uh, to-dos. Um, that'll be June 18th through July 3rd. Uh, I was going to make a joke about Budapest so that I couldn't come up with it. But Texas Swimming and Diving Head Coach, uh, coaches, excuse me, uh, Eddie Reese and Carol Capiani will actually be uh, assistant coaches for that group. And so... I am, uh, again, Longhorns representing on the international stage. It starts here, changes the world. Ooh, that's a great way to end that segment. And it truly changing the world all the way uh, in Hungary. So um, that was very bad Hungarian impression. Sorry to all our Hungarian listeners. I'm going to keep it moving. Gerald. What have you been watching on your giant screen? Let's talk a little Godzilla Tron. Things on opposite ends of the spectrum I've been watching this week. So um, I'll start with like the weirder one. Uh, HBO has added this British dark comedy called The Baby, which it's about uh, a, a, a woman who very much does not want to have children. Uh, she goes away for a weekend and ends up adopt uh, accidentally adopting what is they haven't said exactly what or who this baby is but it's giving very much like um cursed seed damien type vibes to it uh, and so it's a very very dark comedy so like don't uh if you're not into like laughing at stuff that's like not funny but it's presented in a funny way then don't watch it the other thing that i watch this week so every friday we do a family night pizza night movie night as my son calls it because he doesn't know how to shorten things because he's five uh, but uh this week we upped the uh the age restriction on his uh paramount profile from from g to pg just to see what what would pop up and what he would pick and so he picked the sonic the hedgehog movie that like from a nice. couple years ago with jim carrey uh and james marsden playing like the 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 obligatory human in the in the role ben schwartz is the voice of sonic and uh mm. ben schwartz is just an incredible voice actor he also kills it in uh, the the ducktales like the modern ducktales movie but like it's it's a um it's got some in, like like some jokes that I'm glad they're going over my five year old's head, but like it's f cute in spots, it's funny in spots. He enjoyed it. Uh, it's not all in all, it's not a bad movie for like my son to want to watch a couple of times in a weekend because I'm just like, yeah, it's fine, it's it's whatever. Like you're gonna run around the house, burn some of that energy. Ben Schwartz is gonna kill me with some of his delivery, and and everything will be good. I love it. Um, I, the only thing I remember about that Sonic movie was was Jim Carrey had the pre Will Smith um, award show moment where I think it was a bit that one actually, <laughs> but he was sitting in the TV section. They wanted him to move back to the movie, or uh, he was sitting in the movie section. Uh, he was not nominated, and he said, "But I have Sonic the Hedgehog coming out." Um, as as they escorted him to his actual seat, um, and he was shouting at the stage. But nonetheless, um, I watched two shows probably on the same 
same end of the spectrum. I don't know. Uh, maybe slightly different. But I've been powering through Better Call Saul, as I've mentioned. I'm now through the f- fourth season? No, I'm through the third season. I'm starting the fourth season. It, it, it got good somewhere around the end of the second. It was solid. It got very good. Third season I thought was really strong. So I'm excited um, for the fourth season. I just started the first episode. So I'm, I'm going through that. I think there's six with the, the current sixth uh, showing now, um, so I'm I'm excited to be two thirds of the way, almost caught up. Um, but yeah, I also started uh, to keep the the European travel uh, from our, our Budapest earlier. I'm I have a London trip, uh, ironically, on Fourth of July coming up. In my first time in London, and uh, it's been arranged to have a tour of Highclere, which is the Downton Abbey castle. Um, yeah, shouts to uh, our guy Sir Angus Sladen uh, <laughs> setting that up. But uh, so Andy I have Robert. watched Downton Abbey. I mean, the guy got me a, a tour of, of Downton Abbey Castle. He's going to get name dropped. You know, we, we, we name segments after people for less. Um, the, no the, offense, uh, Joe. <laughs> no, we absolutely love you, Joe. My wife has not seen Downton Abbey. And it's like, you know, if we're going to go to the castle, you should probably see it. So I'm thinking, you know, we have about two months uh, from today to get through that. It's a long show. Uh, it can be very slow and dry and British and, and that's either absolutely my wife's like speed or absolutely not depending on the mood she's in so this may take a while to get through it may take all of two months we'll see um, but I do want her to obviously have some appreciation for the castle before we before we go see it so we started Downton Abbey and oh oh do I love um, the, the Dowager Countess uh, she's one of the dames that's Maggie uh, Smith that's Dame Maggie Smith that's right she just the sharp tongue the uh the pleased with herself after making a, a harsh zinger. I know I will never appreciate the show as much as a uh, friend of the this show, friend of the pod, uh, Raymond Summerlin, who <laughs> adores an older sharp tongue woman the same way he, he uh, loves the Queen of Thorns from Game of Thrones. Um, you give him an old English dame, and Raymond's is is all over it. But I'm trying to enjoy. I don't think I ever finished. Like there's a movie and some other stuff. Like I watched originally eight years ago and I've never like really gone back. So it'll be an interesting, uh, re-entry. Um, yeah, Maggie Smith is just incredible that I, my wife and I watched the entirety of Downton Abbey. That was a, it was, it was, you know, it was a watch. We watched it. It was a thing. It got too soap opera E for me at the end. Like mm. there was a moment where I was like, things have been going too like well for this family for a stretch. So like, is the house going to burn down? Like that's legitimately like what I expected to happen at one point. Uh, but it's, it's well acted. It's well written. The um, it's a triumph of like set and set pieces and costume design. So if you're into that kind of stuff, it's definitely worth a watch. And that's all we've got for you this week. Kyle, where can the good folks find you on the internet? You can follow me on Twitter at Kyle Carpenter. You can also follow the Texas Pregamer at Texas Pregamer. And before Gerald tells you where to find him, I want you to really be looking out because Gerald's been been just crushing the social media. He doesn't get enough credit for it. If you if you aren't following both of my accounts and, and the show, all three of those, you should also do that. But make sure you're following Gerald and he'll tell you where. Um, if for nothing else to go hunt out his recent, uh, I think it was on Monday or Sunday, his recent uh, apocalypse take on, on when... 
he would prefer to actually die in the apocalypse, which I thought was brilliant. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at GH Goodrich. Come for the dumb apocalypse take. Some of you are going to look and not like it there, and that's fine. Some of you follow me for Texas football and then unfollow me for other things. Follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. Facebook and Instagram, Longhorn Public. Shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. And until next time, hook them. Hook em. Hook em.